Oh, but I have to tell you, I mean, I was going to rant about this. Well, I, I've, I actually have a new policy, which is a no rant policy. Because well, that's like a huge part of the podcast. Well, I know, but you know, I was listening to myself rant this week and I about hated what? it. When we were asked about that Reddit and I just like started like talking, like when I get wound up, I, le- I drop words, I leave stuff out, I make it impossible to know what I'm talking about and I just start ranting and I'm like, shut up, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, maybe the thing is, the the biggest thing is just like, I found it really distasteful how seriously I was taking myself. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm in any position to take myself seriously. Honestly, look where I am. Um, you know, I mean, literally on a podcast while being stoned. So uh, I want to improve that. Okay. What's your plan for it? When I get ranting, stop. You're going to stop? You're going to be able to, you're going to be gonna, able to self-regulate? I'm going to use it to check myself and reframe. Okay. Uh, tonally. <laughs> okay. We'll see what happens. What's <laughs> coming up for me. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do an intro? Okay. Um, so where does this fall in the episode? I, I mean, I know at the beginning, but <laughs> has the music played already or is this the intro before the music? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, what if we get Gabby to do the intro? Okay. Great idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like we're getting a cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Send it like you send it to, yeah. um, send I mean, what you send to Miss Juicy. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm Gabrielle Bluestone, author of Hype, How Scammers, Grifters, and Con Artists Are Taking Over the Internet and Why We're Following. Welcome to Pot Psychology with your hosts, Tracy Egan Morrissey and Rich Jusiak. This week's guest is me, Gabrielle Bluestone. Enjoy the show. I actually did want to introduce you... Now that I think about it, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to call you Gabby Bluest One. Yes. Rich is the one that taught me 25 years into my life. No, I someone, no, a commenter did. A commenter said that that's how they said your name, but you told it to me. I associate it with you. Because I love it. And I I did say (laughs) it after that. that. Yeah. Bluest one. Yeah, I was 25 years young at at the minimum. And I read that and was like, holy shit. Like, I wish I had known that back when I was making emo away messages. Like, I would have been on fire. I mean, one capitalized letter would have changed your life. It's like how um, Joey Fatone is Joey Fat One. Right. (laughs) Sometimes it bees like that. Yeah. I don't know. Should I call you Gabrielle? I call you Gabby. I think I'll call you Gabby. I'll keep calling you Gabby. Yeah. Um, Gabby and I work together at Gawker. And Gabby and I work together at Vice. And she wrote a book that I quite enjoyed. It's really good, Gabby. It's Thanks, like, I, did you do it the entire time during COVID or did you start it before the lockdown? I started it before, um, mm-hmm. but I got to be honest, I got the most work done the second that there was no other possible <laughs> distraction, right? I'd, I'd, there was nowhere to go. I'd already cleaned my apartment 20 times and that was <laughs> when it really started flowing. What what do you say when, what's the like two sentence, what's the elevator pitch of this book when people ask you what your book's about? It looks at the cultural and social forces that enabled a scam like the Fire Festival to succeed and other scams like it. Right. 
and you know, emphasis on the fire festival because it's kind of a thread that goes throughout the book. And it's a and story it, Gabby broke. And it is the most, I believe, complete documentation of the fire fest. We've obviously had tons of fire fest content and I've, Viewed a lot executive of it. Produced. Gabby executive produced. Yeah, the Netflix. Fire. The good one. Netflix. The good Smith one. directed. Yes. Um, the one that's a real documentary and not <laughs> a bunch of talking heads. Did you know Chris Smith did um, American Movie? No. Yeah. It's so good. That's yeah. my favorite yeah. thing of his. Um, he did Tiger King, too. Yeah, it, I thought it was a great documentary, but then this is like a complete uh, telling, a more complete telling than ever. Yeah. And you did your own reporting in a lot of cases no yeah so that was i mean the basis for the book initially was just that i had so much more material than like a documentary could handle and then as i was kind of pitching it around and writing my proposal um it occurred to me like there was it was basically a cautionary tale for all of these industries like everything that he had done starting with you know this like fake startup that was supposed to be like a reddit hybrid kind of thing and then his status company magnesis which was all about like conspicuous consumption doing it for the gram and it, i don't know it just seemed like every industry that gives you money for you know having good marketing but not necessarily a good product like he had somehow dominated and I just it seemed like a cautionary tale in so many ways so that was how I got it from 40,000 to 80,000 words yeah well because it's but it's not merely an you know point a to point b narrative it is you talk about a lot of other issues the attendant issues you kind of dissect it and say like here are the major themes of the fire festival or that made the fire festival so appealing in so many different ways and then you go from there. Yeah. It serves as like a backbone of the story. Right. And then branches out from there. I really liked how you talked about WeWork and how it's sort of like a Russian nesting doll of scams. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't realize that SoftBank, the Vision Fund, is also a scam. I mean, I like hear about them, people talk about it. But I always just thought of like SoftBank as being just this like really powerful investment company or whatever it's called venture capital is that what it is or yeah but i mean they're they're powerful because they can swoop in and inject all this money into any random company and suddenly that is the number one company in the sector it has nothing to do with their underlying product or how effective their business is it's just how much money someone's willing to give them and he got so much money. I mean, he literally was running an office subleasing company, yeah. uh, but he got everyone to talk about it like it was this spiritual revolution, which I think is the biggest grift of all. Did you watch the documentary about them? No, not on yet. On Hulu? It's pretty good. They have tons of footage, which is also like kind of similar to Billy McFarlane. Mm -hmm. Like these people want to be documented the whole time, which is wild that they're like committing felonies <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but they want the like attention well, or whatever so i just to, and that and that to me like that like kind of i don't know inability like people say live in the moment but it thinks it feels like people do that to a pathological degree where they don't think about like what's going to happen in the next hour like you know <laughs> what i mean like if it didn't go down like what was billy mcfarland's best case scenario it you know doesn't I mean? make any sense. I actually rewatched Fire before you came over. Rewatching it and then having listened to like all of like the additional reporting, you this is crazy. Everyone was yelling at him, <laughs> like not yelling, but like people were like, "We can't do this. We can't do this." Up Early until on. like yeah, but mm -hmm. up and but like up until the day before, like they just yeah. kept saying, "Cancel it, cancel it," and he just like wouldn't. And like that one guy, the yoga instructor mm -hmm. <laughs> slash event coordinator, was like. 
all right, you can either cancel it now and people will just like, it'll be bad press or, you know, people will arrive and it'll be like a total disaster. Like he was given those two scenarios. But even before when it was like, okay, just do like, you know, a thousand people or whatever the the mm-hmm. small version of it was going to be like, you can still get that done. And he could have, but just absolutely refused. So what, what do you think? I mean, do you have any theories as to like when he thought about like, this big picture that he was building, what do you think was the best case scenario outcome for him in his mind? I think that he started off, he wanted to live the private jet model lifestyle, but he couldn't afford it. But he worked, you know, he saw an industry or like an opportunity to have that kind of life. All he had to do was start a startup around models and private islands. And, you know, he got $26 million to do that. I think one of the reasons, I don't know if it was pure ego that kept him going. Um, I know he hadn't purchased festival insurance, so canceling was a big issue. And he had secured a last minute loan based on credit card receivables. So he like needed those people to be there or he was going to be personally liable for a lot of this money. And I think he probably had the idea, and I don't know that he was necessarily wrong about this, that if they could just get everyone there and put on some semblance of a festival, that people would go along with it. I think before anyone would admit that they had gotten tricked into going to like, you know, Woodstock 99 in the Bahamas, that they would have, you know, posted pictures of the pretty water or made it seem better than it was. And I think he was probably like one Blink-182 set away from pulling that off. Yeah, yeah. It's like kind of like Uba Butler, The Shed. Yeah. Like people were like, they're told that this is luxury. And so they're like, yeah, totally. This is great. You know, Uba Uba Butler, he worked at Vice. Sounds vaguely familiar. He, um, I feel like I know this story, but he, uh, Gabby wrote about it. Yeah, he turned his backyard shed into the number one rated restaurant on TripAdvisor <laughs> in the UK, um, just by like gaming the algorithm. Like, yeah. Wow. yeah, it's so easy to pull something like that off. And then he served sixty nine cent frozen dinners, and then hired actors to sit in the shed with r- the real people and have the actors, and then like they made the presentation like you know, look and good. The time of their lives. Yeah, and then yeah. the actors were like, this is so, oh my God, this is so delicious. And then these other people were like, wow, this is so great because they got like tricked into thinking because like, oh, this is like such like a, you know, unique experience. We're eating in a shed yeah. <laughs> in someone's it's, backyard. Yeah, which is fully human nature. Like I've been talking a little bit about this just because it's so classic, but at the 1950s Solomon Ash experiment where he put a bunch of people in a room and asked them to pick you know, there were two lines displayed and they, the audience had to pick the line that most closely matched the other two lines. But there were plants in the audience who were instructed to pick the most obviously incorrect answer. Yeah. And like 75% of like the audience went along with it. Because like, they were because the wrong ones were so determined. Yeah, it was like the peer pressure of it or like not wanting to stick out that they were like, yeah, like that squiggly line looks just like those straight. And people were like totally <laughs> into it. What you're getting at is something that you write about that you spell out really explicitly this line that I loved we have more tools available for uncovering bad actors than ever before yet we persist in playing along with them mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there's like this reality that we've all opted into that we all know is fake but we're treating as real you know how you talked about the Joneses mm-hmm. movie I've never seen it but I remember when that was being made because they made it in Atlanta and Kim Zolciak is in the movie at least it's on her imdb stop it because i remember looking like when kim zolciak became like a thing i was like well let me see what she's 
like oh she has an imdb and then yeah it was she was like an extra on that oh my god that sounds actually vaguely familiar and i have to go back and watch it now yeah i want to watch it because i i never i didn't even know that that's what it was about it sounds really interesting i I think i remember that she was like a girl at a party at like a neighbor's house or something like oh my i do this is now coming back to me oh my i want to call the director back up and ask him about that he was very very cool i emailed him and he like got on the phone and was willing to talk about anything I wanted from this movie from 15 years ago. And yeah, I had yeah, so yeah. many questions. <laughs> you did. You really, I mean, it's also the largest dissection of that movie in addition to being at the fire festival. I've never heard anybody. But I actually, I saw that movie a long time ago. I never ago saw and it. It really it great. stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but this is in the book, but he told me that he, so he had worked in advertising and he was inspired by a real life Campari um, campaign where they would hire models and send them to bars and just tell them to order Campari just to influence the people around yeah. them, like w- well before there was social media or influencers. Wow. And it worked. Yeah. Campari is a thing. Yeah. It, it is a fun and funny book, but it's also got like a really dark undercurrent. This isn't your thesis per se. I'd say it's more kind of like a diagnosis that you're operating as a under, you know, the, the philosophy that this is what it is. We as a society tacitly agreed to start trusting our emotions and feelings over verifiable facts, all without ever realizing just how much our social media use is manipulating these judgments in the first place. Those judgments in the first place. I'm sorry. That's um. I think that's true, but I find that very bleak. It's a it's a yeah. bleak book in it, sort of <laughs> assessing the times. This just idea. This this. It, it's another way of like talking about the dissolution of the truth that isn't through the lens of Trump, but mm-hmm. you know what else is going on among the people. And actually, even if like <laughs> people didn't vote for Trump, there's a certain logic in the fact that like. This is happening amongst young people. And then we have that guy as the president. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just complete abandonment of truth. And uh, I find that really disconcerting. I don't know if it was like chicken or the egg, but I feel really lucky to have been like working at Gawker and among those mindsets as the, like I started there in 2013. So like right when social media started and like, I don't know if I would have fallen for the hype as much, but it was like certainly helpful to be in a workplace where everyone was mocking brands for trying to sound like people. Like you were very aware of what was happening. Um, But then to see other people like so enthusiastically go along with it like retweeting steakums into the into the main you know like I don't know it was kind of horrifying to see that happening but I do think that that's a big part of it which is that our friends are acting like brands brands are acting like our friends and like we've lost all sense of reality can we get it back (laughs) like (laughs) yeah unfollow unfollow influencers I've done that and it's improved you know you say like Twitter is such a hell site it is that way because of who we've chosen to follow it's true yeah but there's also a feeling that like somebody saying something important or at least that people are talking about and so then people feel like they have to know about that but I don't know I feel like a lot of it like basically like just gums up your system. I mean, like are people actually evolving and learning and having quality experiences as they're getting embroiled in these Twitter? I mean, I'm talking about like intellectual stuff. I see people where it's just like, I know you have a job. Like what? (laughs) I mean, I just can't even imagine. I I don't have the energy, you know, I couldn't have Mm -hmm. the energy to like write something and then switch to tweeting a bunch of stuff and all that. Personally, I need, I don't know how people do it. I need to pare it down. And so actually I found, you know, I agreed a lot of with with what you said 
about um, social media and the sort of draw of it and the FOMO-ness and like, you know, people who are lonely are more likely to use social media, which makes them lonely. And there's a vicious cycle and everything. I have to say, though, a lot of it did not apply to me. And I was very happy about that. You're a very healthy person. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Sometimes. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm a total disaster uh, and I'm breaking down. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. But but all I'm saying is that like, while I, I know that what you wrote is to be true. It, um, I've been able to curate my personal tastes in such a way that it's like, actually, I think like influencers as a thing is so irrelevant to my life. Like that is not a thing I pay attention to. I think that's a ridiculous career. I understand people have it, but just like a simple influencer, you know, it's funny because I I would think that like not a lot of people, call themselves influencers who are that like you do that for a living except for emily gellis landy yes yes (laughs) there are definitely people no because there are fake influencers who want to be influencers who call themselves influencers and by followers i was following one really fascinatingly Mm -hmm. which is like which is uh, the something that you wrote about social media that i completely related to is you kind of break down the the love of the hate follow when Mm -hmm. you talk about carolyn calloway and (laughs) her reddit cult Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I mean, the, the the thing that I found really striking about that was my, almost lo- like less her story and more that there is a group of almost 10,000 people who watch her every move and compare notes and like this like whole community is yes. like thriving around using her as like a cultural or cautionary tale. Right. Uh, so I was almost more interested in them than I was in her, which is good because she, as soon as I sent a request for a comment to her manager, all of them like uniformly, uniformly blocked me on every oh, form of social media. Oh. But there you know, is like a thing about, cause like we talk about people all the time that we kind of hate follow. Yeah. And there are many more people than we've talked about on the show. No, but Gabby and I. Oh, Gabby and Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I well, Tracy like, knows everything. I can be like, did you hear about this? And she's like, here's the real story. Here's what they're not telling you. <laughs> but I feel like it's like a bonding experience. I can't talk about her with a lot of my friends. Right. Cause like everyone's like, shut up. Like, I don't like, it's like such like a involved story and yeah. it's like has so many layers well and you do get mad about like the littlest things when it comes to it as well always outraged <laughs> it's like yeah I of get course it. it's like a vicious yeah. eating chips thing like yes. they're just but that's what those reddit communities are is that you have like an obsession with someone and then you just like have to talk about it with someone and your friends aren't interested in hearing you talk about it yeah <laughs> and so you want to share in that and Gabby, the way that you write about that is you say it's like a reality show. Do you think that the, because t- to me, I always try to like honor the people that I hate read in a way and, and <laughs> just, you know, from time to time, think about the fact that they are providing entertainment and I actually do like them and in, in oh, not at all kind of perverted way. Off. Yeah, but like, but there yeah. is something about something, there is something about them that's like pleasurable. It's drawing me to them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of appreciate that. Do you think that she's like, do you think Caroline Calloway is adequately appreciated for what she's giving these people? I mean, yes, because she is celebrated culturally. I don't know if I like agree with that. Like I, like she's become like a cult figure, like kind right. of iconic. I don't know if she's done 
enough to deserve that standing. In a kind of ironic way? Yeah. yeah. Kind of like, people who love a scammer. Like like she's yeah. someone who really fails upwards and like very yeah. effectively. And, and I guess that's fascinating in its own way. She, she well. is kind of endearing to hear her talk though. On the on the Z way, she was like the she actually she's is good. She she's the one who made Z way jump off. Honestly, like that it was after that yeah. interview, yeah. which is like that's when it like went when Z way like blew up. But like I didn't watch the whole thing, but clips I've seen her talking about as Z way is making faces at her, I'm, I thought she's making a perfectly fine point, and she's not stepping in shit at all. Yeah, I I mean I really liked it, and I when she was like uh, she quoted James Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I didn't see that. I didn't know about that. Clearly prepared. Yeah. I think that, but that was part of the funny part about it is that she totally prepared herself yeah. for this interview. She yeah. read White Fragility. Right, right. <laughs> that's I mean, better that's, than not She knows it. how to entertain. Like, you yeah. have to give her that. Like, she's right. never going to show up and just be boring. Um, so I guess, I mean, I guess if you think of it all as like elaborate performance art, it makes a lot of sense. And she makes a shit ton of money on her OnlyFans, right? By dressing up in like weird, in like, in, what is it? Like, literary outfits or what is it yeah <laughs> it's like she dresses she dresses up in it's like cosplay like sexy children's book characters she, yeah. is she naked at all no but she often posts nudes of herself right i don't i don't know i thought that didn't oh, she I, like i thought she was a lot oh, more she clean. posted didn't she, she like, posted something on her twitter like sleight of hand like what when her book it was like over the course yeah. of her book not coming out or whatever she posted her breasts on twitter i yeah. don't know if it's ever been a, a full nude oh, oh, right. situation oh, right. oh so her face isn't in it her face is in it but it's oh. above the waist i believe i see well, she seems right on her way. Um, <laughs> she does, but she also, I mean, obviously, like, I don't like a liar. Like, and also, I should have prefaced this with saying, this is all I know about her, basically, is that, like, two minutes of her I saw on Z-Way. Um, I've heard her talk, and I read the essay that her ghostwriter wrote, which mm -hmm. I didn't find that satisfying in a way. But um, she's also, like, you know, a shitty person yeah, who's she doesn't like, pay people she doesn't pay people and she seems ill to me yeah that was kind of part of it too like i struggled with that a little bit because like obviously there's more than just you know someone playing a character yeah going on here but also i mean i don't know i feel like uh i don't feel like there's any reason not to talk about something that's absolutely public like out of politeness because you know, yeah. I, it, she's taking up enough space that it, whether via mental illness or not, she's taking up a lot of space and yeah. she's not acting ethically. So you can yeah. blame that on mental illness or something else. But the uh, fact of the matter is, excuse right. All right. So there is someone that I like check in on like an influencer that just like makes my blood boil, but <laughs> I can't stop yeah, yeah, yeah. looking and yeah. I like almost don't want to give him the attention. But it's Herschel Walker's son, Christian uh, Walker. Uh, uh, what, like the backpack? company no um the football player who's like uh, really good friends with trump who is now being um rumored to be like the gop um front runner to run in georgia i didn't know that he was doing that i mean i because he spoke at the rnc mm -hmm. um and i never would have guessed that that was a person who wanted to go further in politics although i guess i should have by virtue of his inclusion well he like tried he like attacked his wife with like a, a gun or a knife or something when she was pregnant and then he wrote a book about having multiple personalities oh and, my God. and blamed it on that i mean it's a really fascinating story but his son who is i believe half black like 
he gets in his car. Like, I forget the name of the, I like almost don't want to say this is kind of being cut it, but like um, the guy that did the Santa Barbara shootings and like makes videos in the front seat of his car in a very similar way. Oh, like, right, right, right. Screaming about ghetto BLM and like how they oh should just God. follow the law if they don't want to get shot. And like, he's never done. It's like very aggressive and like he's like been appearing on like OAN and stuff and I like I can't oh, I can't could, stop yeah, watching it not? that sounds fascinating no, like, I want to see yeah. it yeah what is it Herschel Walker Christian Walker Christian Walker yeah I assume some of it has to be a grift right like he sells merchandise with every yeah. offensive statement that he says um, on yeah. it his dad is you know trying to run for president they're very much like part of the MAGA crowd which is its own insanely effective grift what what right personality isn't a grift? I mean, literally, name one on the right wing that's not doing some kind of circus facade, crazy character thing. It's all Mitt Romney. <laughs> sure, <laughs> he's just like boring. I mean, I think, but like, I mean, I mean, not even not politicians per se, but the personality. I mean, the right doesn't like him, right? But like all every every single one of them. I mean, you know, uh, Candace Owens. Yeah. Shapiro. Yeah. And Coulter. Yeah. All of it, like Tim Sarah- Poole at this point, even though Tim Poole pretends that he's a centrist, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I used to be a liberal and they just fucked it up and blah, blah, blah. He like, he has realized that he could make so much more money doing this on YouTube and like playing up to that, like sort of that kind of like proud boy, like right. gamer yes, exactly. kind of base. It's all of that. And he pretends that he's not he's not that and he's not doing that and he's just a centrist, but he is doing that. Well, the thing that I think is really interesting about the right, I guess, if anything is interesting about it, is <laughs> like how united they are in this yeah. idea of like doing X to like spite the liberals. Like I'm going to burn my Nikes to like spite the libs. Like nobody right. gives a shit and you're just going to have to replace them. Like that doesn't, I don't understand that at all. And then I also don't understand this like hero worship element of it. Like yes. there are politicians that I will vote for, but I have never loved a politician. No, like no, I will never. Suck. They all suck. The, I've worn a Ben Carson shirt because it was funny and right. someone gave it to me at CPAC while I was there working. But like I would yeah. never like buy a politician's yeah. like merch and I, wear it out. Like that's I so did, embarrassing. I, yeah, it I did actually does. With uh, Marianne Williamson. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, absolutely. The, 20, the Marianne 2020 shirt is only going to appreciate in value and i saw that coming a mile away the best one of the best assignments i've ever had is Corey sent me to iowa and la with marianne oh that is profile her right as she announced and it was like the coolest job i've ever done and she is like like she puts you in a trance. Like I was like mind melded a little bit sitting wow. there. I was like, I'm going to give it all up. Like I'm going to start <laughs> chanting. Like, like I'm, I'm buying into this lifestyle. And then I got outside of the room and was like, what am I thinking? Like, what am I doing? Sharon Stone in her book speaks very straightforwardly and with appreciation about A Course in Miracles. And Jessica Simpson's husband is really into her. Well, well, she does say things that are right sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Dave Navarro. Yeah, Navarro, he, he designed right. her ca- right. her campaign poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget who it was now, but somebody wrote her a campaign song also, a female artist. Oh. Yeah, like she has a lot of celebrity friends. But, you know, even at her um, announcement, you know, I was like interviewing, there was like a, a group of black women who were telling me that they've been following her for like 15 years. Is it that- Oprah? 
<laughs> Unfortunately, Oprah did not return my request for comment. Um, but they were at her first meeting where she um, started bringing up reparations and she instructed all the white people in the room to get up and apologize to all the people of color oh, right. yeah, for yeah, anything yeah. that they had done overtly or implicitly to harm them. And like these women said that it was like a like a life-changing experience. Like they had been following her ever since would support her for any office. Um, wow. And so, you know, realizing that it wasn't just like, you know, like white California women. Yeah. Um, you know, I started to think like, like she might have something here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to talk at all about the frozen yogurt controversy? Sure. Demi Lovato? Yeah. I would love to. Well, you know who also got involved too? Did Jamila Jamila get yes. involved? I didn't. Was she no. pro Demi? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Of course, <laughs> course. she's pro incoherence. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? Like okay. You know she's gonna Demi's gonna end up on that fucking podcast about her weight. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I, if it hasn't happened already. Yeah. I didn't see the original thing, but I did watch the eight and a half minute <laughs> response. <laughs> I still don't understand what her beef is. Okay. I kind of understand. Okay. So they they had sugar-free cookies and other kinds of treats. You know how like you go to a frozen yogurt place and there's just like garbage for you to put on your frozen yogurt? Yeah, the whole point. Yeah. So there was like a sugar-free section and she said that it was diet culture at its worst because they're like preying on people like her and it's so hard for her to like walk into places like that and then they responded by saying we offer those for our diabetic customers yeah (laughs) which is amazing i mean i was glad i loved the way that they talked to her about it and she but she did not doubling down i know she did but they did not come at her like we're so sorry we understand you're famous how can we make this better no they were like no here's why we do it (laughs) i mean it is so egocentric to say, I can't handle that thing. Therefore, it should disappear. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder. I have wondered, read, reading Twitter and various things, how some people are able to make it from one end of the block <laughs> to another when it seems like anything they don't like that makes them uncomfortable shuts them down. Mm -hmm. And I think in this case, it goes to show that people aren't getting to the end of the block. They're getting to the ice cream store and they're melting (laughs) down. (laughs) And that worries me. Mm -hmm. As a culture, the idea that you are entitled to that level of absolute comfort all the time. I mean, I'm sorry. Eating disorders fucking suck and so does child stardom. Yeah. (laughs) She was forced into that life that Mm -hmm. hate it. I don't like it at all. I think she has absolutely no right to complain about any food that's in a fucking corporate store. Like, I mean, also diet culture, frozen yogurt. Yeah. The healthy alternative to ice cream. Yeah. As it was always marketed, even though it's not Mm because it's full of sugar. Like What? Uh, sorry, she so Jamila Jamil deleted mm. her post about it. But I'm gonna a see if I can find delete. it. Dirty delete. Yeah. Ooh, Jamila. That's very her. <laughs> of course. Very on brand. Do you do you follow? Have you followed Jamila Jamil at all? Um, I mean, are you aware of her? I'm. Doings? I'm aware of of her like her bees and all of that. Like <laughs> I followed that story with absolute glee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could not handle the daily stress of reading all of her oh. tweets every day. I yeah. can't follow can't her. I can't it. engage. Yeah. Right. But yeah. 
it's a very bizarre story. I always swing back around when like a something egregious happens. Everyone, you know, every once in a while there'll be like a story going around. Jamil and Jamil did that again mm-hmm. on Twitter and and it makes me kind of sad because like I really did enjoy The Good Place mm-hmm. and all I can think about now is I like, like oh. The Good Place but they just wrote that character. That's her. Yeah. Because you know the premise of The Good Place, right? It's like heaven. Well, they think so but oh, they're tricked it's... into it and it's actually hell because they're bad people. I, okay. And the one, Kristen Bell thinks she got there by accident. She thought she got to uh, heaven on accident and Jamila Jamil like her character thinks that yeah she is in heaven and then they realize because she actually sucks as a person and right. she never really cared about anyone like she was involved in charities only because she was like rich and it made her look good yeah um it's the same same thing same, same person. person yeah <laughs> um so jamila decides to weigh in in the middle of demi lovato going back and forth with this yogurt company um which demi the reason that we know about this she's is she documented extensively on social media yes yeah like quote tweeting them (laughs) i mean showing the the screenshots as if to say can you believe these people Mm -hmm. i've never been more right about anything in my life yeah and they keep going they won't back down so jamila says okay I want to try to avoid making this story bigger than it already is. (laughs) Please. By the way, I didn't see this, so she didn't make it bigger than it was. Oh, this is in the Daily Mail. It was all over the place. Oh, shit. Everyone wrote about it. Yeah. How did I miss this? I don't know. Oh, shit. Well, inform me. First of all, first lie. I don't want to make this bigger than it already is. Of course. Like, she does want to make it bigger. She loves latching on to something. Like, the only reason why she's saying something is because she knows she'll get pressed if she says something. It's the same way as, like... Whenever she like put like shits on the Kardashians, she knows that that's going to like make a headline. Right. There is no, there's nothing compelling her beyond her own will. Yes. For courting attention. Exactly. So she said, um, but if an eating disorder advocate says she sees products that are positioned as guilt-free and it is potentially triggering, that doesn't mean she's too stupid to remember that diabetes. that diabetics exist. It just means that we need to change the marketing of products that are for people's medical needs. That's all Demi Lovato was asking for. But you could say that labeling something diabetic is stigmatizing, actually. Yes. And that like sugar-free is a nicer way to include people. Yes. <laughs> we yeah. need a debate between Demi Lovato and a diabetic. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> like a live stream debate. I'd like to see it. <laughs> It doesn't mean she disregards people's illnesses. She's just one of a few. She's just one of few celebrities reminding us to look out for mental illness. Guilt-free is diet culture terminology. We need to stop using that fucking term. We are so lucky to even have food. What in the name of shit in hell is there to feel guilty about? That's a term of shame. Orthorexia is easy to slip into, and it is a fucking nightmare to crawl out of. I think it's good to keep raising awareness on this matter until eating disorder rhetoric is out of our normalized mainstream culture. We say words like this all the time. Electing foods for virtue or sin, cheat, guilty, naughty, bad, unhealthy, etc. All problematic terminology. I mean... She wouldn't have her podcast if it weren't for diet culture for her to rail against. Exactly. Like her whole origin story. Yeah, totally. And um, also, like, body neutrality is as much a cultural sort of yeah and she's still sort of organizing around this discussion this concept i mean it's supposed to circumvent it but actually it's just doing the same thing it wouldn't exist without it 
in an impossible way, yeah. by the way, too. Neutrality. I mean, Marissa Meltzer writes about this in her book that like she talks about why she dislikes that concept so much. And it's because she feels and quite reasonably that your body is something you can't be neutral on it ever. It's like the most subjective experience mm-hmm. in your life. Also, <laughs> your fucking <laughs> body. Like, it, this is you. But also because we are attracted to people's bodies. Like, yeah. that is, you know, our sexuality. Right. That, yeah, you're going to feel a certain way about bodies and the way that they look if that's going to, like, activate your sexualization or whatever. Yeah. Your sexuality. And, and this is on a very base level, too, because we're not, you're not talking about, like, some cultural ideal. You're talking about the actual act of body appreciation, which is, like, part and parcel of human sexuality. Yeah. It is, like, the definition of lust is to have sexual attraction to another person. Yeah. I think it's a great point. (laughs) (laughs) What is, what is, what is, uh, it's raining cats and dogs mean to you? It's raining really hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I listened to a song today. It's, it samples this girl talking and, uh, she's like, she's got a British accent. She says a bunch of words that British people say in a way that Americans would find weird, like Lieutenant and schedule. And, um, but then another sample is her saying, like being asked what what that means. Oh no, I'm sorry. Her being asked, what do you call it when the sun is shining and it's raining? And she's like raining cats and dogs. Oh, it's different. It's uh, she's doesn't know what she's talking about. That's a sunstorm, clearly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or sun shower, I would say. Sun shower, yeah. yeah. Sweet. She was British? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do say things. I looked it up and it doesn't, that doesn't seem to be a British thing. That seems to be a her being wrong thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you, um, do you want to hear it? What do you call it when rain falls while the sun is shining? Um, I'd probably call that raining cats and dogs. I don't know where that expression came from, but... That's what happens when the sun's shining while it's raining. Raining cats and dogs. What do British people really call that? Um, I don't know if British Monday? people say raining cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah. I forget where I heard this joke, but someone said that British people call trucks lorries and dentists never. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Um, I wanted to point something out that I thought of this week when I was high. Okay. Why the letter Y is by. Ooh. Because it's sometimes a vowel. Oh, yeah. Sometimes a <laughs> consonant. It's, it's true. It's generally the. Why is by. Yeah. I would think that Y would have more significance to the bisexual population. Like. Yeah, it should be a symbol. Yeah, it should be their logo. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, good for you for coming up with that. If we had the, Thank if you. there were like updated letter people and they included sexuality and gender, they would ha- absolutely have to make a Y. LGBTQ plus Y. What else? A? Is it A in there? P? Uh, Is P in there? Uh, maybe, like sometimes. Wait, what is ecosexual? Ecosexual? Yeah, I don't that's know a thing. That one. It sounds earthly. Yeah. Is it when you like have sex with like trees and things? Yeah, just fucking a gopher <laughs> hole. <laughs> Nature, romantic, sensual, and sexy. Sounds like a witch. Is it? You know how like you like, like having always like orgasming s- in a field? <laughs> <laughs> is 
that a witch trend? I feel like I witches, would like to they are they like, seem outdoorsy. When they're not doing evil, they're orgasming in a field, it's, I think. You know, it's <laughs> weird because like witches like that we think of in like popular culture and in history seem outdoorsy, but in reality, witches today are like indoors people. Okay. They're, there's probably but there's, they don't tan. They don't like to tan. Well, they like to be in nature where there's trees. They do like a parasol, head. maybe. I feel like they're <laughs> always like, yeah, well, that's true. Um, but I feel like I, they're like inside doing candle things and they're they're goth. They don't like being in nature. Except in New Orleans. And then they're very outside. Well, I guess they are like in the basement yeah. boiling stuff. <laughs> that was definitely, I mean, the witch and the witch was outdoorsy. She had no choice. It was like well, 16 back in the hundreds. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Wiccan is all about nature, no? Wicca? Yeah, but it, but also... I think there's different kinds of witches. Yeah. The, the ones I know are... I mean, maybe because they're city witches. Yeah. Recently, it's like the city witch and the country witch. I recently <laughs> found out that elves are evil. I thought they were like jovial little fellows. They're like scoundrels. Yeah, they're like, like in, impish. In they're, Iceland, they like don't you don't want to run into like oh, an elf or a in, fairy. Yeah, in, oh, really? in Iceland, the the like um, Christmas their Christmas tradition is that there are like twelve elves that are like watching you <laughs> and they're like sneaking into your house and they're like scary. They're like yeah. terrifying. They like there's like the window elf and like they're all they're all different ones okay. and they look mean. I bought a. Um, a Christmas ornament of one. It's like an elf that's like looking in a window. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do they leave gifts? No, they steal things. <laughs> okay, we should wrap it up. Okay. Gabby, is there anything else you want to say about your book? Um, you should absolutely buy it at full price if that's an option for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's also available as an audiobook. Yes, they would not allow me to read it. So I was wondering why you didn't read it. Um, I totally would have done it. You know, they have to pay you extra for that. So like... I, you know, I don't even like reading, but I would have done it. <laughs> um, but I guess they heard I had had a lot of vocal fry back then. I've actually consciously tried to stop that. Huh. Um, I think they just heard my voice and were like, we're going to go with a pro. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. Wow. <laughs> but um, she has a lovely voice. I've also, I've been informed she mispronounced the word Wale, the DC does, rapper. Yeah. And I just want to say I had nothing to do with that. I know, I know Wale. I went to school in oh DC. Yeah. Right, of <laughs> I don't course. Know him, yeah. but you don't I know, know him, him, but you know how to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> she also says Stussy instead of Stussy. Ooh. You end. I'm going to spoiler alert. Oh, don't spoil it. That's the last line of the book. It's not really spoiling it. Okay. Firstly, we all know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but secondly, you end by saying, by quoting, belief trumps fact every time. Yeah, you, this book is depressing. <laughs> I feel I mean, that that be, is. Belief trumps fact every, fa belief trumps facts every time. In so, my opinion, that's an excellent way to end a book. No, I, I mean, no, 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 I agree. And I'm not, depressing isn't bad. I think it's depressing because the world that we live in is depressing. Yeah. Are you depressed about this? How do you feel? What do you think? Is this going to get, is it going to get worse? <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> like, yes, but I think that individually just thinking about this stuff can make you better or more conscious of it that like it's important just to have this conversation you know like I know I'm still gonna fall for stuff on the internet I'm still gonna follow influencers with unrealistic lifestyles and think like oh that must be nice but you know I can at least be more conscious of the fact that I'm doing it 
like the thing that really the thing that depressed me the most in all of this was as an experiment i deleted instagram oh, yeah. from my phone yeah, yeah, yeah. and i would find myself having unlocked my phone and navigated to the app that moved over to replace mm-hmm. it on the home screen and Just i would like opening it? it was like waking up out of like a sleepwalking or a dream and i'd be like why am i holding this app it like jolted me awake i didn't even realize i was doing it that's so wild yeah so just being aware that this is going on and and you know trying to like consciously object to i don't know do you use instagram less now that you've reinstalled it no i use it just as much, as much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you learn nothing yeah no but you know now now when i catch myself cycling through apps i'm like i just opened twitter a minute right. ago why am i doing this i like know to put the phone down and do something else so i guess i'm snapping catch out of yourself. it faster yeah but yeah. certainly still in that dreadful cycle no, i feel like a life is a journey toward that kind of awareness and being able to like actually control yourself from acting automatically. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a big thing that I've been focusing on myself, you know? I mean, it's meditation will help you do that, mm-hmm. you know? Just awareness, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I know like I know that's a buzzword, but <laughs> it is I I I to me there's from the guy who has a Marianne Williamson shirt. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I learned from the best. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Gabby. We're going to continue our conversation on our bonus episode. That's patreon.com slash pot psychology. You can find bonus episodes, our premium series, Wawoo, where where, it's hard to say. Wawoo, where we say, we're at Wawoo, (laughs) Wawoo, where we recap. Wawoo, where we work. Wawoo, where we recap the real world. My name's Wale and I can't do that. (laughs) And also, how about you guys can get a 10% discount with the code HYPE at pipedreams.fun. Hype that's, for a pipe. <laughs> hype for a pipe. That's pipedreams.fun. Um, I, I actually think you should explain the mugs. Oh, the mugs? Yeah. There We have some corporate mugs. They are based on corporations that are in movies that I like that have strong female leads like <laughs> Big Business and uh, Working Girl and yes. don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. And I'm working on one right now based on She Devil. It's um the Vesta Rose on uh, the Vesta Rose Employment Agency. Okay. All right. Thank you. I don't know. My accent is kind of just average, if that even makes sense. So the first thing I have to do is read out a list of words, then answer a few questions. So this is the list of words: garage or garage. Garage, herb, schedule, figure, jaguar, lieutenant, altar, advertisement, bars, fruits, ballet, tomato, leisure, address, eight, boy.
New Orleans, pecan, or pecan, both, again, 